morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. On this podcast, I just muse, I reflect on the things that I'm thinking about in terms of what it means to be a believer, what I'm learning about God, my journey about faith, life, and love. It's just a reflective phase. It's not about teaching. It's just about sharing. It's about reflecting. Many times the Holy Ghost does teach me. And I would say us and anyone listening, but the intent is not for us to be, it's not, this is not about teaching, this is not about me sharing what I know, it's about reflecting on the word of God, my, my interpretation of the word of God, what I'm learning, what I still don't know, I have lots of questions, so in fact, most of the time, I'm musing on the questions that I have, and gathering data, you know, just sort of like, reflecting in real time about where my thinking is coming to with you know with regard to an idea or an, a concept around the scripture how i have seen it being illustrated in my life the context that the holy ghost is giving me the understanding that i'm getting and you know you know so just how my thoughts are forming so nothing cast in stone here but it's really about shaping my thinking and my worldview and comparing it with what the word of God says. And many times I find out that there's a big difference between what the word of God says and what my life is, what I'm doing, and what I'm also hearing in faith in faith circles. So this is really like where I do my fact check, my Christianity reality check to say, okay, this is the standard of the word of God and I am committed to obeying the word of God. How is my life doing in this regard? And the Holy Spirit helps us to just point in those areas that he, he really wants me to shine a light on. And what I find many times in these musings is that I would have had a plan sometimes, not many times I just am uns- completely unscripted and very un- unprepared. But sometimes I have in my mind, okay, this is what I want to speak about. And then by the time we start the recording, the Holy Spirit just takes control and then we go in a different direction. And as we go in that direction, I understand why he's bringing me there. There's a scripture that says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord and that he shines it. And I, I, I sense that in the way the Holy Spirit works with me, even online and offline, in that he draws attention to where he knows that I need it is needed. You know, not so much. It's almost like a probe, like those medical probes that go into a body and try to find out what's going on. You may have it in your mind that, okay, this is where this, this is what this probe is going to do. This is where it's going. But if it's an intelligent probe, it's going to go to the place where the problem lies you know the most pressing and relevant place for you at that moment to give you a sense of well-being and that's how i find out the holy spirit works so even though i sometimes have a plan about what i want to say eventually the holy ghost sometimes takes over and once it's taken over i have learned i don't get in the way i just go and i leave it and sometimes we come back to that other thing that i planned many times we don't but that's fine because a word in season to him that is weary is far more valuable than a word that is out of season to him that does not need it so let's just leave it at that so i had intended and i think i'm going in that direction to talk about boldness and i was you know really talking to the lord about how do i really talk about this and he just gave me an idea and i you know did a google search on tekata of on the word boldness but what has been underneath is this is my observation in the body of christ in my own christian life and something that i find in fact, I want to resist it with everything in me and I'm just looking for God to help me. I don't understand where our boldness and our courage has gone as Christians. Christians have become the most fearful set of people on the face of the planet. And I don't know how, how did we get to this place where we are, we are at. Because 
everywhere else in history, biblical history, and even up to recently in our own church history, I would say to a very large extent, Christians are synonymous with courage. Christ, you cannot have the spirit of Christ. I mean, the scripture that tells us God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The spirit of Christ is a spirit of boldness. So, where this fear that has come upon us, where first of all we are afraid of demons, that's the first one. A major part of our spiritual life is praying against the devil. (laughs) The same devil that Jesus defeated. We are afraid of the demons. We are afraid of evil things happening to us. All our prayers are in fear, not in faith. If you look at 80-20 rule, 80% of our prayer life, it is prayer fearful. Prayers of, Lord, don't let this, Lord, you know, it is completely fear. We, maybe some people will spend 20% of their time um, praying in faith, as in declaring the word of God over their life with faith, with courage, with sense and conviction. And that fear has made us very inward looking. So we have become very protectionist in the way in which we are running ourselves, both on an individual level and a collective level. So for instance, during the pandemic, what I observed was faith circles being very insular, very concerned about, oh, let's protect ourselves, let's make sure our finances don't go down. Nobody was so much more concerned about the bigger opportunity or what was going on outside of the the, the church walls and how people were dealing with it and how could the church then minister and reach out to people in that space and time. Some faith circles got it, a lot of faith circles didn't. I read about how this played out in Asia and from the general sense I got, the churches in Asia particularly in Southeast Asia, you know, like Asia Minor, China, and all those places, they took real, as in the church, came out shining. They seized the moment. I didn't get that sense in my part of the world. I don't think we seized the moment at all. In fact, we missed, as in when you say drop the ball, not only that we dropped the ball, we didn't even know where the ball was. That opportunity was completely missed. And in my own country, Nigeria, and I'm speaking as a political scientist now, it created, it first of all showed the kind of, it was a good illustration of how far the church as a whole has moved, the body of Christ has moved away from the humanitarian and the, humanitarian and the salt, and, the salt uh, and light teachings of the Bible. Because we were definitely not the salt of the earth at that time, neither were we the light, we were not. We were too concerned about protecting ourselves. And I'm saying this, of course, this is a very blanket statement because there were pockets of excellence here and there. But by and large, this is my observation. I'm speaking, you know, this is the kind of way I would speak when I'm in my professional circles. It's without sentiment. I'm just telling you, describing what I saw, what I observed. I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, but that, that's what I, yeah, that's what I saw. Generally. And I, and I did ask, I took a poll, you know, around a lot of people. And like I said, there were pockets of excellence. Some people rose to the occasion, majority. And the people that you really expected to rise to the occasion they did not and again you know there's nothing like a crisis to show you the you know what is inside you there's, it brings out the core of who we are but aside that's an aside that's a digression that perhaps i don't know helpful not helpful but what perplexes me is the fear and that's what i you know and that fear is has impacted us like i said on an individual level and also as a collective so the church of Jesus, everything, and you know what I've observed in my life is that anything that is done in fear can never succeed. I have observed it. 
there was something that I was trying to address in my life recently, a spiritual problem. Or rather, a problem. Let me say it was a spiritual problem. It was a problem. I think it was a spiritual problem, but it was a problem. And I had prayed, prayed, prayed. <laughs> I said, I prayed to God, prayed to God. Please, why is this thing? Well, I prayed. The only thing I didn't do, this thing was not addressed. For it went on for, in fact, I think for over a year, it went on. And it was, I was so perplexed because I was like, and you know, for someone like me, I have a relatively good, in quotes, relationship with God. So when I'm not getting traction on things that I consider that is very much easy for him to resolve, it's very troubling to me because I'm like, what's going on? You know, anyway, this was unresolved for a long time until God brought me to a place where I realized that that situation was being perpetuated by my own fear. The fear that I had then built around that manifestation was what was preserving it. The minute God was able to show me that and remove and deal and deal with the, the, the fear by his word, by faith in his word and by understanding and knowledge, the manifestation just disappeared. As in it just stopped happening. It was like it's like the door. It just stopped. I would even be looking. It's almost like looking for a piece of paper. Where are you? I was looking. I was like, where, you, where are you? Manifestation disappeared. So it taught, it taught me a very big lesson. And I had prayed. I had prayed. In fact, and this was something that was so... This manifestation was exceedingly... I found it really... Dis, as, as in I didn't like it at all. But I was unable to do anything about it. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. It was my fear that was keeping it there. Immediately, the fear left. First of all, all of the, how would I say, the belief systems that I had bundled up against it, thinking that, oh, for this to be happening, this means that, this means that. God just deconstructed everything. doesn't mean any of this. <laughs> this means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. It's not, it has nothing to do with truth. Yes, it is physically manifesting in this way, but it's not the truth at all. It's a lie and it's just a whole construct of lies. And the sooner you realize that, the better for you. And I just went underneath that word, put my heart in everything. God has redeemed me from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. The name of Jesus is above all names. He has risen and risen with Christ. Where Christ is, since the same spirit of Christ that raised me from death. Everything that Jesus says about, the word of God says about who I am in Christ. I just situated my faith into all of that. I'm telling you that this manifestation that had oppressed me for, more, in fact, years, I would say years, it wasn't months, it was years, just I became more intense in the last one year. It, it disappeared. So God said I was fair. That was, that was the window. It taught me big, and these are fundamental principles. Now, I now did a search on my online Bible, Tekata, which, by the way, is the most... Honestly, you need to download the Tekata Bible app. You just need it. You need it, I'm telling you. Because if you have a problem and you are dealing with fear or boldness or whatever, just put in the search engine of that app, in that Bible, once you have it downloaded on your app, put fear. It will show you everywhere fear comes out in the English Bible. You can then scroll down to the New Testament version. If it's not giving you what you want, look for courage. You can then also look for boldness. If it's faith, look it to give you righteousness, holiness. You can, and when you meditate on these scriptures, you speak them out. It creates power in your lives. Doing doing the word of God is not hard. I think the problem is we focus so much on this prayer approach, this shouting at God thing. We just don't know that the power is in His word. He's not. He doesn't need to be convinced or persuaded to do anything. 
all we need is to activate his word and there's only way to activate his word that's to speak it and there's no point me going the wrong route and then praying oh lord do this do this what 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 when his word has already described it for me i will use his language and return it back to him i i'm, I'm a very look i like shortcuts i mean do you understand why would i be inventing language when i can find language that is already in the word of god anyway that's what i do and it works for me particularly when i want to get to the root of the problem as in i'm not re- i'm not playing <laughs> and one thing about the bible is the word of god is time tested there is too many illustrations in too many people's lives for us to be questioning the word of god when i see people questioning the word of god i say it's because and i mean the word of god in the bible because there are many people claiming the word of god in many places but the word that is written in this bible and I don't just mean every word here because the word, it describes a lot of things. For instance, it describes even the devil talking. So the devil talking is not the word of God. But the places where God was speaking, either directly or through his prophets, through his apostles, through Jesus, those places that we can remove the word of God from, it is time tested. Because it has been used in many people's lives on earth and brought them to a place of greatness, to a place of deliverance, to a place of holiness, to a place of righteousness, to signs and wonders. In my own life as well, I have seen the word of God do what science, technology, physical things cannot do. So please, I am not debating whether the word of God is really what it claims to be, because in my life, in the same way, I can recommend a book for you because I've said this book is very useful if you want to learn about math or this book is very useful, you know, if you want to learn. I can also recommend that this Bible is very useful if you want to learn about God, about righteousness, about how to triumph over good, how to reign over ill, and how to secure your place and be reconciled to the monarch of the universe. I can recommend it because I have a lived experience of what this Bible says. So when I went in, and I looked at the word boldness. I found many places where it talked about it in the New Testament. For you know, bold, boldness seemed to feature more in the New Testament. I think probably in Old Testament they were using a different word. Maybe bold or courage or something like that. But boldness as a word was more featured in the New Testament. That tells us something. That boldness, to be honest, really boldness was not really something that was a covenant promise like that in the old testament it was more about god's protection god's power god's deliverance he would give them you know power and maybe courage to go and fight the enemy and all that but it it, it wasn't something that was you know i don't know anyways it, it doesn't seem to be maybe if i check bold and boldly but from what i'm saying here the concept of boldness on an individual level and on a collective level but yeah it's more a new testament thing so anyway um reading from acts 4 3 4 13 we see um we see where um the people were saying when when peter and john preached before the sadducees after the death and um, resurrection and ascension of jesus in verse 13 they said when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were excuse me unlearned and ignorant men in other words they didn't go to school I don't know why they would call them ignorant simply because they didn't go to school. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So the one thing that caught the attention of the Sadducees when they saw Peter and John was the boldness of their speech. And you know what it means for people like Peter and John as unlearned men to go and be standing in the middle of scholarly and schooled men who socially were several classes above them. 
and engaging them at their own level. They received boldness with the witness and the testimony of Christ. All through the Bible, I have never seen anybody that has received the word of God in their mouth and is still in fear. If you are a prophet, all the prophets, they prophesied with boldness. They prophesied before kings with boldness. Even when they felt a little bit uncomfortable of what they were sharing, once they went out in obedience, the spirit of boldness came upon them. Now, when they had finished with the Sanhedrin and all those people, and they, they then told them, they threatened them that they should not speak, what did Peter and the apostles go back and do? In verse 29 of that same Acts 4, 29. They went and they prayed and they said, Lord, they prayed a very powerful prayer. So let me, I think I should start from verse 27. Well, there was a long prayer. So when they heard, they lifted up their voice unto God with one accord. And they said, Lord, you, you are God. You have made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. You who by the mouth of your servant David, you have said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth it was against your holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, that both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatever their, your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, look at their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and that by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, this is verse 31, now the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Wow. So they prayed for the spirit of boldness. They prayed for the spirit of boldness. They spread, and, and uh, it's very instructive that Peter mentioned in that treatise. He said, the kings of this earth are gathered against the Lord and his anointed. This is what has always happened in every nation. In my nation, Nigeria, now I see leaders of the congregations. Thank God is not all. Thank God for the men of God who, have, who, have, who are not afraid to speak up. But I see a lot of people who are, are afraid. Thank God. I'm so grateful for those who have embraced the spirit of boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak up. But there's another side, and I, I really sympathize with those who have not found the courage to speak up with boldness because I believe that they will pay for it in coming days. They will get to realize and wish that they had spoken up. So I see a lot of tippy-toeing, you know, among Christians, and I'm like, the Bible, we're not called to this whole reluctance I'm afraid let the government not come for me if you are speaking the truth at the end of the day we are the salt and the light do we want to wait until a day when Nebuchadnezzar will come and say we should bow down to the golden idol before we know that we should speak up for what is right for what is just do we need permission there is a problem there is a problem and for me as a Christian, where I feel really haunted by all of this is that I know that God will demand from me. I know that if it was like I could hide under the congregation and say before God, if it was a congregational judgment that we were doing, I won't mind because then I'll be like, okay, God, face your leaders because I'm not a leader in the body of Christ. I'm not even an ordained minister of the gospel. But I know that God is going to ask every one of us to account for our words for everything that we did both for what we did 
and what we omitted to do. Because, and how do I know? Because Jesus said in that judgment where he talked about those people who said, you saw me, I was hungry, you did not uh, feed me, you saw me, this one. In other words, you saw as people were being killed in the north or in any part and you did not see anything. And, they were, and then the people replied and they said, how, 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 well, Jesus, when was it that we saw you sick we, we, and we didn't visit you? When was it that you were in prison we didn't look after you? He said, well, as long as you did not do it for any of these people, this my brethren, you also didn't do it for me. So in the same way, we are watching people being attacked. We are watching injustice. We are not speaking up. And we somehow think that that is what God is expecting of us. Ha. Even in history, one of the mistakes that people made during the time of Hitler was not intervening. And I don't mean military intervention. I mean even speaking up against the atrocities. They kept on thinking it doesn't affect our community. It doesn't affect our community. By the time it came to their doorsteps, there was nobody else to speak up for them because every other person that should have had already been taken care of. And that's even the, the lessons of history, which I think is what is guiding the response to Russia and Ukraine now because people now know that it's not enough for us to keep quiet when injustice is going on. Evil is emboldened by silence. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And what we cannot do as Christians is embolden evil with our silence. Even in secular activism, it's known that silence is complicity. And why would we be silent in the face of injustice, in the face of false witness? It's because we want to protect ourselves. I really think that there is a lot about Christian ethics that is just messed up at the moment. And like I said, it's not everywhere. There's some people who are very clear. Thank God for those. If you find, if you're in a congregation where your leadership is very clear about right and wrong and models it in every context, not just within the church walls, but outside societal and civic, you are in, bless God for where you are. And please stay planted, serve God with spirit, soul, and body. Because it's a gift, it's rare in this modern world. What, what is more common in places where you will not expect is people who are only bold on issues that are not sensitive. You know what I'm saying? Once it becomes sensitive and it's getting too close to home, all of a sudden, the boldness goes out of the window. Particularly when there's great political risk to self. So, verse 31 says that they spoke the word of God with boldness. It is not possible to be a minister of the gospel without the spirit of boldness. I don't even think that is something. I mean, if Peter and John prayed for that spirit of boldness, and the Bible shows that when they received the boldness, they were able to speak it, and then it multiplied. Philippians 1.20 says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. 1 Timothy 3.13 For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 1 John 4.17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I like that 1 Timothy 3.13 when he says, 
those who have used, he wasn't talking about deacons here, they, those who have used the office of a deacon well, purchase for themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith. We need boldness in the faith, which is of Christ Jesus. This wishy-washy, fearful, God protects me and my family, I don't care what's going on in the world, oh, save me, help me, bless me, shield me. This is not the spirit of Christ. Whatever it is, it is not. After they had threatened Peter and John not to speak in his name, they went back to God and said, see what these people have said. They were not confused in their minds. They didn't even intend to obey it even for a day. They never stopped. And I know many of us may not be in societies where I, right now, you know, it is against the law or you are not you are prohibited from preaching the gospel. Although, like in certain parts of Nigeria, really, you preach the gospel or you even talk about Christ, you are an endangered species. But the point is, even if you are living currently somewhere where you have freedom of speech with regard to preaching the gospel and talking about Christ, if you continue, if you don't, I mean, it doesn't mean it will always be that way. Let's just put it that way. And if you don't use that freedom wisely and consistently, there will be a day when there will be a groundswell. Uh, I don't even know. In fact, I don't even know what I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to something. I'm not even sure where, where I'm going. But the point is, Regardless of wherever we find ourselves, whether we're in a society where there is it's tolerant of what we believe or accepting or whatever, and I don't just I, I, what I'm musing about is not just in terms of preaching Christ, but it's about just standing up for what is right. I, I mean, do you understand? Standing up for what is right. You are in the office; they are cheating somebody. And you are aware that the information they've put against that person is wrong, speak up. Even if you are going to lose, I mean, I don't know, your job, yes. I'm sorry. Because what I mean is that the more we give in to this evil, this culture of silence, first of all, is Antichrist. What we are doing is we're making it easier for evil to overrun us, and it will. It will. I get very concerned when I see leaders. Of large congregations being fearful because what it tells me is that the entire congregation, if they do not hold themselves individually, they are all being controlled by the spirit of fear. Boldness is a part of the Christian testimony and the part of the Christian faith. And the example of the apostles shows us that it doesn't, it's not automatic. You have to pray for it, you have to want it, you have to yearn it. God will give the spirit of boldness. There is a spirit of boldness because the Bible says that says we are not given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So fear is a spirit. Boldness is also a spirit. But if we don't desire it, we will fall for the spirit of fear. And we cannot be walking in fear and also doing the word of God. In fact, the Bible says, love, I mean, fear has torment. 
that anybody that has the fear has fear does not have the love of God in him. It's not possible for us to be walking in fear and walking in light. Once we are fearful, we are 100% walking in darkness. At that and then darkness can have its reign, which is what I experienced with that situation. Darkness has a foothold, and depending on you know how much fear, a foothold can become even more than that. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.